You're listening to Witcher Watch from the Racking Focus Podcast. Toss a coin to your Witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your Witcher, oh valley of plenty. Hey, welcome back to Witcher Watch from the Racking Focus. Racking Focus. Let's hey, start that from the top. Focus, focus. It's focus, the Witcher. Focus, it's the Witcher. It works. There you go. <laughs> You're trying to include some new language. Yeah, there. this is... Um, Welcome back to Witcher Watch from the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle. And uh, we're going to talk about episodes four and five today. Uh, Stephanie will be joining us eventually. She is currently babysitting her niece. Uh, just literally a staircase away from us yeah but that baby's asleep and so we're gonna let that baby sleep for a few minutes yeah uh so episode four and five uh what did you th- what did you think of these two so you know we bumped into each other last night and i said i i'm pretty happy with where it's going i enjoyed these a lot it isn't the same like burst of energy that we got in season yeah, yeah, yeah. one when that like that huge change took place as we moved into this middle section, but um, I like them both. I, I liked, uh, I think I liked four better in a lot of ways. I but did too. Yeah, Yasker's appearance elevates the energy of the story so much. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that I think that's what I would say. Yeah, it's nice to have Yasker back as this comedic relief because we haven't really had a comedic relief character at all yet in this season right we've got people who are making jokes and there's sarcasm and whatever but it's not right something where we can see the kind of broad uh physical comedy that we get from there's not someone there to be funny right right and make light of the situation there's just people who are who are funny but not there to lighten the mood and yasker raises up uh yennefer in that way too and Mm -hmm. her like her sort of general sarcasm or her uh, cynicism is elevated to humor and yeah. that really plays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's a few different places that we are in this episode. Actually, there's really only like two places. Really, we're with Geralt and Siri at Kermorn, and then we are in Oxenfurt and Redania with Yennefer and Kahir, and uh, we get an introduction to uh, Dijkstra as well. So, um, I don't know where you'd like to start, but I'm okay starting anywhere. I think we. Sh- I think what might be interesting to do is because just thinking about like energy level for us is why don't we talk about the Yasker Yennefer story? That's great line, um, and move through there because it doesn't really cross with Dijkstra in any significant way, um, and we can sort of play through it. Right. Yes. Yes. That's good. Okay. Um, well, I have a I have a list. I have a whole bunch of notes here, um, really just outlining kind of what happened on their storyline here. Um, I mean, we get really we get an intro to Oxenfurt and how poorly treated these elves are are being treated right in this area. Mm-hmm. I mean, we certainly are seeing there's. I mean, it's far more abusive than we see and there are many more elves than i felt like the first season alluded to yeah oh totally it felt so political in the first season and now it feels very very individual yeah Yeah, and it's um it's it's pretty awful i mean they're 
they're in lines and chains. They're being forced to piss themselves, right. essentially relieve themselves right there in the streets. Uh, these uh, soldiers do not care about them. And I, I realized even later on that this isn't just like government higher ups or like the uh, the institutions or the um, it's like actual people who hate them too. Like it's it's ground level people and it's also higher ups who are pushing this agenda of elf hatred. I guess yeah, it's a really broad racism. Like yeah. it's a really really broad and and mean spirited. So very personally confrontational right yeah yeah it's pretty terrible i mean we even see some graffiti on the walls of uh pigs with elf ears right um which i have to say i thought was a nice touch as far as production design goes mm -hmm. um just showing that this is a very broad thing that there's people on the streets who actually hate them too um so yeah we get we get that whole uh that whole intro and this explains why so many elves are flocking to Sintra to mm -hmm. escape uh, this persecution. And even though Nilfgaard is the one who's invading the land, they're flocking to the invaders because they feel safer with the people who are causing the war. Well, and we also know that their word is out, that there's some kind of alliance that exists. Mm -hmm. And so they're responding to that yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. Because the elves are sort of responsible, as we'll learn later i think later to build an army yes um, uh kind yeah i'm concerned about where they're going with yeah, that yeah we'll, we can talk we'll about there. that um but yes so this also brings a little bit of danger for yennefer who is part elf mm -hmm. as well so the stakes are kind of raised there as well and we already know that her and kahir are uh they're well i don't know if we know this yet we do learn in a moment that they are being hunted down, that they're wanted, right? These wanted posters kind of fly. Oh, so good! It's like yeah, it's cool. Birds piece blow of magic. Up. Yeah, yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, it was like it was like all like these all the wizards whatever. send out like these uh, these birds as they're messenger birds, right? Except they're actually messages and not just birds right. delivering messages, right. right? So kind of clever. Um, this double sided printing yeah. magic, was right? Really right? Yeah, great. it was very cool. Um, so they're they're trying to lay low in Oxford here, and um, although I do have to say, let me just. They're not laying very low. Though. They're not laying particularly low, <laughs> and the um, the wanted posters don't seem to effectively represent them in a way that would make me super concerned. They're in black and white. Like I'm not sure what it is that makes you say, "Oh, that's her." That's her, right? But people do. You'd think that maybe they should have drawn Yennefer in some kind of purple outlining, purple eyes at the very least. Uh, yeah, and if you you're know, magic, like, if you're magic and you can make a drawing appear, yeah, could you not make a f much more like? Well, well are you thinking like even even if you go back to like Harry Potter, you have these moving right images. Should there be some sort of moving wanted poster? So that would probably would be a t too close. It to, looks uh, great, like everything look looks great, great yeah. but just as a note, I'm not sure how they how they're <laughs> how like, effective those. Oh are. wait, there's. <laughs> that's her. That's that that line drawing. They're very good drawings. Very good drawings. But yeah, how do you recognize those people out of those drawings? Um, she's also there. She's also walking around like the most brightly colored, I know, ro hooded robe. Like you're you're drawing so much that nobody else is wearing bright purple in this scene. And which I understand is for us to know who you are right. and for us to the viewer's eye to go to you. But uh, probably not the most practical hood to wear in a. A manhunt sort of situation. 
Um, anyway, uh, we also learn that, uh, you know, Kahir learns that Frangilla's alive um, and is pretty much running Sintra at this point. Yeah, you know? and there's certainly a tension there. Yeah. Um, he feels, I, Kahir definitely feels kind of like left behind, right? That he hasn't been. Well, and rightfully so. Out. But, right, yeah. I mean, he's just been abandoned by his. Mm-hmm his people um by the mage who was his kind of his kind of his partner not really they worked together but they were both kind of manipulative of each other um but he definitely feels left behind by all the people he worked with and by the by amir in general i think too yeah you know? he, he's going back and he's going to do his thing like it certainly doesn't feel like he's being treacherous right but i'm not sure how he feels when he discovers that his position has been usurped in a way yeah. by Frangilla. So yeah. Um, so anyway, there, um, Kahir and Yen are are attacked briefly uh, by some men on the street, by some soldiers, and they duck down into the sewers after defeating those guys. And they come across two elves hiding in these sewers. One, one's a black elf. One's an older white elf. And um, the black elf has these. I didn't notice at first until they brought up this conversation later. But he has the tips of his ears carved. Yeah, off. they're carved oh. off. Yeah, I I actually went at. There was a reverse shot where he was looking at them, and I was like, "He doesn't look like something's wrong with his ears. He doesn't look like an mm. elf. That's a strange choice." And then they pointed out the yeah, they're what he said. What happened to your ears? And then I realized that they're all bloody and chopped off. Essentially, those tips uh, that sucks. Yeah, and it says it goes again how far this racism and the violence of yeah. the mistreatment is going. Um, and he seems like a trusting, sweet, decent elf. Yeah, he's a he's an elf you want to live for sure, right? Like you like him almost immediately because he's helpful to our hero. Um, he's also mute. I think he can't. He doesn't speak. Right. He, he's right. He's, he, he may be deaf and mute. Right. Yeah. Well, I think he's able to. I think he's able to hear because I think Yennefer has was talking to him, but. He needed somebody. To, he needed the other man to translate to her when they were discussing. Um, so interesting that they made him unable to speak at the very least. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're attacked. Those elves uh, end up mentioning that they're uh, well. They, these elves realize that that Yen and Kahir are the people from the wanted poster. So clearly, the drawings worked well enough for these these two elves to understand who they were. Right. Um, but in then the they, sewers and the sewers in the sewers are right. awful right like yeah. we need to acknowledge the sewers oh are yeah awful. It, i mean it it was so gross down there i have to say throughout this entire episode i am so happy with how oxenfurt was portrayed um as somebody who's put in tens of hours into the game mm-hmm. um th- this i mean it looks so good it just looks so good from the building designs to the squares to it Just does all really of, feel like the game, all of right? it. Yeah, it really, it really does. Even the sewers have have a, a the same vibe, and um, yeah, I've so I love the look. I love what they did. The production designer did an incredible job with all of that stuff. Um, but anyway, these elves are are trying to escape. The two elves in the sewers are trying to escape to go to Sintra, and they mentioned to them the Sandpiper, um, right. who we haven't met yet, and we will meet. But uh, the Sandpiper who helps elves escape to Sintra. And they reluctantly agree to help Kahir and, and Yen um, escape with them. Uh, and then we get a quick little tease of this monster in the sewer. Um, 
you know, we get a little bit of foreshadowing. We know dangers ahead. Yeah, this show does a really good job at seeding something, but it's a, so we stay interested, right? Yeah, it's like the Doctor Who everyone's running places, and then they're yeah. like, "Well, how can we make it tenser?" Well, there will be a monster. We will have a monster this episode. There will be a monster, uh, and there we go. That's our. We won't show much of it, right? Just some tentacles, but yep. there is a monster for sure. I think there's been there's been some kind of monster every episode so far. Right. I think um, there. I, I love that. We're sort of monster of the week kind of experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and um, yeah. So they're going through these sewers, and even just to they just keep piling on this racism, this uh, uh, kind of like this uh, almost like colonization or this imperialism, like all this stuff is just such a big theme in the show. And the older elf mentions that. Um, the humans built their cities over top of the elf ruins of this of this continent of this city specifically, and uh, it's just another another piece into this entire pie that is the racism of the continent, right? Like right. it's just these humans keep building and keep uh, destroying the history of the elves. Um, I mean, we heard in an earlier episode um, one of the elves, I think his name is Gage say uh the temple or that monolith uh wherever they went to to go down into like that forest where the witch's hut is right like that he would rather have the elf hist the elves uh like temple or those those places lost to history than lost to humans right um rather have it destroyed by history than to, than than by humans so this racism cuts deep for them um anyway the <laughs> Not long after we see this this monster uh, tease, he comes right for that. Well, to be clear, we get the most telegraphed "Who's going to die?" No, I know, of, yeah, right. I, of potentially the entire series. <laughs> so, like, I, I'm, he turned I'm, his back, and I was like, "Yeah, that's it for you, bud." Well, he turned his back, and he stood in the doorway, <laughs> and he stepped back a little bit, yeah. and I was like, "This feels like well, it feels like a moment in the movie Deep Blue Sea when." Uh, uh, there's a a shark death that takes place like really in one of those moments yeah, yeah, yelling yeah. ignoring what's around them and he's just talking and backing up and we're like oh this has got to be the guy who gets it and in a way it, the whole thing is telegraphed he's the empathetic character yeah. the other guy's a little less so um so we well, you know less so. the other guy is like not almost at all empathetic i mean the guy like yennefer and kahir like go to help this and the other guy just black elf he's just off. like he just pieces out like and he's what? he justifies it later on he does he's like i did what i had to do to survive i'm like well dude you suck so well it does motivate his later actions it does but yeah the the, the we have this sort of we and the other thing i think is we you know uh what's his name daria is the other dara, black, dara is the other black elf and so mm -hmm. He is now in a position of we're going to see him become a bad guy, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have a we're just being conscious of balancing the scales of the black elves we have and not putting them into a single category. Yeah. Like I think there's some craftsmanship going at the the sort of the DEI team in charge of diversity, <laughs> equity, and inclusion in The Witcher. Yeah, uh, being thoughtful about that. Well, there definitely has to be a diversity team yeah, <laughs> because of yeah. you're not just dealing with. Uh, white or black or Asian actors, right? Like these different multi-ethnic groups, but you're also dealing with like actual races 
with how do you represent dwarves and how do you represent elves right. and how do you represent men and how do you rep- you know what I mean like all of these I mean we haven't even I don't think we've seen any gnomes yet but there are gnomes in the continent of the Witcher uh, there's all sorts of types of of, mm-hmm. of people um, but yeah so that's I mean that's um we lose that guy very nice guy we lose that poor elf may he rest in peace and uh yeah kahir is doing this thing and i'm you know i'm really glad that they're humanizing him a lot more than in season one because he was just kind of like this he was just this figure in season one who just felt so evil all the time and he was definitively a figure in black armor like he is we saw him in episode series one mm-hmm. or season one as what Siri understood him to be. Right. We we only saw him ever from Siri's perspective. And right. Now, Even when Siri wasn't right, around. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. the show was looking at him in the perspective of who Siri is. And now we're seeing him as somebody who, like, I you can almost see his fear. You can. He doesn't really show his fear, but you can almost see it. Um, you just understand a bit more who he is uh, because of what he's going through. Uh, but we do learn again, this is, this is another thing that's mentioned that Frangilla mentions um, before as well is that he and Frangilla serve Amir because Amir first served them. Uh, and that Amir is not a bad guy according to, you know, Kahir and, and Frangilla, right? That, that Amir is a good Amir is a good person. He's a, he's the emperor of Nilfgaard, mm-hmm. um, and so there's they're instilling like the, this conflict in us. Um, I think like they're trying to force us to choose a side. We have to understand that like Nilfgaard has attacked our hero, right? Asiri. Um, they've Nilf- tried to kidnap her. Mm-hmm. They've done terrible things to her family. Uh, but we're also hearing that the guy who's in charge of all this is not a bad person and that they're trying to liberate the Northern realms, but then we can't root for the Northern realms either because they're such awful racists. Right. That. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So they've completely like, they've objectified every single group, right? Both, both sides of the war. So we can't choose a side to root for. Right. We're in the middle with are witchers like we yeah. are in the middle with the witchers and the politics amongst the mages is really complex and weird mm-hmm. but they have really inverted Nilfgaard's role in the story right like so they've become in some ways they are they do look like liberators right yeah whether well, the leadership when you're looking at it from is, a Sintra point of view right yeah and when we look at at what happened in Sintra Calanthe's not was not a oh. great lady no yeah. In in many ways, like and so we, the there's complexity here, and I appreciate that. Uh, and you're right, we it's difficult to figure out whose side we should be on. Yeah, no, it really is, and um, yeah. So I'm I'm really looking forward to them unpacking a little bit more of that, and and um, for us to discover and meet Amir, and we'll talk about Amir again when we get to Dijkstra a little bit. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> weird then though. Uh, probably one. I mean, one of the best scenes in this entire episode is the introduction of Yaskier and um, finally getting him back into the show is was almost like a breath of fresh air. You know, it was refreshing after watching three episodes of the season, and you didn't realize you missed him until he's in the show. Yeah, well, and his. I mean, that song is ridiculous. Yeah, it's huge. It's big. It feels like him. Like it really does. And I love Yennefer's sort of wait. Yeah. 
hold on, and then we watch it, and we get a great reimagining of it in episode five. Like I just want to point that out that there's oh, this yes. really yeah, good yeah. perspective switch in episode five that's quite funny, which is which is what we're looking for. Like it's yeah. what we look for in the Yasker. Uh, it was material. so it was so great. The song is good, and uh, it. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and, and like in season one, the idea is they they know that these songs become popular. Yeah. So they're gonna play it a couple times for us. I mean, for goodness' sake. So I mean, you, we if know you're listening it. to us right now. You've listened, and you probably still have toss a coin stuck in your head. Right. And now there's now the burn. Yeah. Do we need to change that intro so, for the next episode? We might yeah, have to. Right. Might know. have to. Yeah. Sort of that just that squalling. Yeah. Final notes into the quiet ending. I have to say, like this, um, this song is called "Burn Butcher Burn," and it's referring to Geralt being the the butcher of Blaviken, which we saw in season one, episode one, mm -hmm. how he got that nickname. Um, so yeah, complete reference to that as well. Um, and this is this echoes the books too, right? The, the idea that. Yasker's taking these stories and like he's really living off the back of oh, this, oh yeah. the Witcher stories. I mean, the first he's made his money because right. of of Geralt. He's gotten his fame because of Geralt, right? So he's kind of yeah, it's it's all because of Geralt, really, that he's he who he is. I mean, there is artistry and like Yasker or Dandelion in the books is a talented musician. Um, but I mean, I've so I'm I just started rereading Blood of Elves. I'm like 100 pages in. And um, I mean, there's a whole, the, the first chapter, I think, or I can't remember the first, within the first 100 pages, he's legitimately singing a song underneath this great oak, which he mentions in one of these episodes, that, which we'll talk about. Yeah, too. he talks yeah. about the, where he's come from, right? And yeah, and um, you know, we can actually mention that. We can mention that right now. Right here. Um, yeah, because it is right in this, it is right in this space. Um, you know, Geralt has left a sour taste in his mouth is what, is what Yennefer says. Uh, but in the book, he's he is singing the song about Geralt and all of these people underneath this great oak. Bla uh, there's all these names, Bleoberis, whatever. Great oak. The Druids refer to it as the seat of friendship. It's this right. kind of like this uh, Switzerland, right? Neutral place where there right. is no violence. There's no hatred. You are accepted regardless of race, regardless of creed. Whatever it is that you believe in, you are accepted here. You can have conversation, you can have disagreements, but you there's no violence, there's no hatred in this space. And in the book, there's there's elves, gnomes, dwarves, men mm -hmm. discussing, you know, what happened to Geralt and Yennefer and Ciri, right. and like, did they meet each other? Are they ha is it happily ever after sort of thing? And there's all these different viewpoints. And during this scene you just stop hearing from Yasker and it turns out at the end of the end of the chapter, he's like not even there anymore. He's like completely disappeared and he's upstairs with two prostitutes or something right. like it's, it's this whole thing. And he just doesn't want to discuss his, his work because he's hurt by it as well. Um, right. He's making money off, but there's truth, right? Yeah. And we know that when we saw in the preview to the season, they made sure we saw the get out of my face forever mm -hmm. moment with Geralt. So yeah. that we're, we, there's a, there's pain in Geralt's relationships do not go without pain. Right. So, right. And um, yeah, it was, I'm glad that they mentioned, I'm glad that he mentioned the great Oak. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's great. How, I mean, cause this whole thing, I was expecting that scene actually underneath the tree 
and they didn't give it because they're just shifting things here and there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, they're completely shifting the locations, locations that don't necessarily matter, locations that I think would help build uh, world building, right? I think that would be a great world building location. Instead, we're stuck in some random bar in Oxenford, mm-hmm. which I don't really care about at all. I would have much rather the location be at that tree. Mm-hmm. But how do you bridge Yennefer to that location? Right. Uh, because again, in the book, she has her power and she saves him with her power in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, that's not going to be the case in the show because she doesn't have her power, and it just it just wouldn't it just wouldn't work. So they're kind of reworking some of this. Um, the tone is still right again, which I'm happy about. Um, but Yaskier does mention that they will come for the dwarves eventually as well, just as they came for the elves when they're under the great oak, right? He was there when they came for those elves under the great oak. They ignored those those rules that the druids set up, um, and eventually they're going to come for the dwarves, and then anyone else they deem the other. And so... Yeah, and it's, it just no screams one of World War II. Like, yeah. it, it just feels like this clear reference to World War II. Yeah, no, it really does... Um, it's pretty. It's pretty terrible. So, so the so the the idea here though is that Yasker is going to take Kahir and Yen and this group of motley elves, um, and we're being joined by Stephanie and uh, my granddaughter, uh, their niece, my, or uh, Josiah Steph's niece, uh, Genevieve, Hi. who's seeing her grandfather and smiling big and you know, new podcast member. You may hear her speak she does have a habit of making noise she doesn't actually say words yet but um or you'll hear the dog you'll hear the dog's jealousy both of their squeaks sound about the same there's a lot gonna go on here (laughs) (laughs) so uh so steph we're talking about the introduction of yasker the return of yasker thoughts feelings how did you feel i gasped and i cheered (laughs) because he's my favorite yeah did you like his song um i'm sad that the as a coin to your Witcher song didn't play, but I'll survive. <laughs> That's okay. You can listen to the intro to the podcast and you'll hear it. That's and, great. And so, uh, well, I, lo- I love, th- I'm going to push us a little bit it's good. forward. So w- they go to get on this boat, right? That's the idea. And there is a very, very slim plan here. It felt to me like there's almost no plan, and it seems like there should be right. This is it, this is if the sandpiper. Do, if he does this often, then he should <laughs> right. have the same technique. He right. probably uses over and, and over. And he sort of gets out there, and he's like, "Oh, someone's got it." His plan is almost that it's okay that there is no plan. I just make it up, and it works. Right. Right. Like that's the plan: is I wing it. And he goes, and he just wanders up, and he gets confronted by the guy. I mean, he's he is creating a distraction right like that's the thing he's trying to do he's a talker right like he can he can chat someone's ear off right and i feel like that is his plan every time is to just go up and start talking to somebody use use his um use his fame to to win the person over right to distract to get the other people on the boat all of those things and so he he goes out there and he gets he's like three quarters of the way up the boat ramp which means the distraction's not working because the guards have not noticed him and then a guard notices him yeah and he makes a face like oh crap the guard noticed me and i'm thinking no right what, what was his original what, what plan your plan yeah wait if the plan's to be a distraction your whole point is to get <laughs> caught like what well, why are you looking so exasperated yeah in the meantime the elves yasker or yeah, the elves 
Yennefer and Kahir are standing marginally in darkness off to the yeah. side. Yeah. Um, it does not It wouldn't look take like a much for plan. somebody to just walk around the corner and <laughs> see a whole boatload of elves just like, standing done, right there. <laughs> done and done. And so Yasker comes down and they have this conversation where at first it feels like the guy, like the guy's daughter's a fan, right? Oh, like a big fan. A big fan. Yeah, or a niece or something. Niece, something whatever. like that, yeah. Yeah, we get this crazy, uh, um, almost like she has posters of him on the wall. Right, 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 right. Yeah, he's a rock star. Yeah. Yeah, she'd be his groupie if there were groupies back then. Maybe, I don't really know. Uh, well, I think that's the case. Uh, yeah. Um, and then the guy says, as Yasker's <laughs> walking away again, like he just turns and walks away and the elves have not made a move. Like this is the thing. No, like I really to, don't know what he was planning to do once he got no on that idea boat. What this plan could have been, Steph? Any thoughts about his plan? Mm -mm. I have no thoughts. They also weren't moving though. Well, I know, but I I just don't know what what the thought was when getting on the boat. Like, is he gonna like steer the boat and go somewhere else? Pick them up? Was he gonna set well, the they boat were right on there. fire? Were they gonna go to a different boat? And that was, boat was was I he gonna know. open up an extra weird door in? Right, maybe there's I don't a back know what's door to this boat. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It didn't seem. Anyway, what needed to happen happened. It's almost like they didn't think about the blocking and how the <laughs> the scene was supposed to actually play out if his plan if this didn't happen. But uh we get this great meta moment in in here. Did you catch this? You did you catch this meta moment? So the dockhand starts critiquing his songs. Oh no, yeah. And and Yaskier turns around and like just tries to shrug it, shrug it off, or, like have thick skin as an artist. And, you know, the doc hand is saying, like, you know, it took him until the fourth verse to realize they were on different timelines. Time, no, like, and starts like, talking oh, about he's season just, one. Yeah, right? he's crapping on season one a little bit. Magic Kiss was a bit cheap. The spot He spotted the dragon reveal a mile away. And that uh, the loot player ending up with the warrior ladies didn't ring true. Like, all of the things that, like, those didn't happen at all. Um, but, yeah, so he's just, he's making fun of season one a bit, which I appreciate. Uh, the self-deprecation a little bit here uh, because the, the timelines were a little bit of a problem for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> well, and the show knows what it's doing. It's been yeah. referencing season one throughout, right? We've been playing games with that. So that really worked. And Yasker comes back pissed off and... Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have his thick skin as uh, as he probably should. In what, I, in what I'm not sure we can say is, a, again, a sensible action. He sort of no, gets but, into it with the guy. Right. Well... And he again, he this is this is the distraction, it feels like. And right. nobody's moving. Right, everyone's still waiting. Right. And so by the end of that this one the elf who um the cowardly white the, elf. The right? cowardly white elf who betrayed the black elf sacrifices himself. Steph was very sad when that black elf was so sad. I knew it was coming. She loved him. He was so cute. Yeah. You so mean the, the black elf? In the no, not the coward. <laughs> in the sewer. Yeah. He was okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah you like that. But yeah, so this, there, there is redemption for this other elf, and uh, I'm glad that he got his his redemption. Right. Glad that well, he was his, able to sacrifice himself. Well, he uh, got he got his behind he got his kicked. kicked. He oh, really, really yeah. got beat up. Really got beat up pretty badly. Yeah, and so. You know, he was he was the actual distraction. 
Right, but that couldn't have been the plan. The plan couldn't have been Yasker's going to walk up and hopefully an elf will run out and sacrifice himself. <laughs> like, I can't figure out what this plan was. No, I don't know either. But then they're all on the boat. Like, on the boat. seconds later, they get on the boat very easily. Yeah. And there's this great conversation they have, too. Yasker and Yennefer have, have a conversation. And um, Yasker learns that she has lost her powers. Right. right? Um and she is well he he's sharing with her like he's afraid as well that the music will one day stop speaking to him um and like what are we who are we when we can no longer do the one mm -hmm. thing we were put in the continent to do and yen replies with we find a new purpose something better a better purpose right right which is fully foreshadowing what her relationship with Siri is going to be, what her new, they've mentioned this void in her, mm -hmm. right? That wasn't uh, right, fulfilled from power. Thing, yeah, right. right. And so like that purpose is going to come around. It's going to come about pretty soon. Um, but yeah, so they have that conversation and then Yasker leaves and what happens? Well, we find his, bro we get a shot of his broken loot. He screams, right? We yeah. hear him scream and then his broken loot. Uh, and and I'm, it's all, again, not part of the plan, I'm sure. Yeah, no. But weird, strange. It was it was a strange series. That, that's of That's the hard cut to black right there, too. That was it like is. the end of the episode. Yep. Um, it, and is, we know he right can't there. be dead at this point. It's not he's dead. No. But now this is what is this going to drive Yennefer someplace? What's going to happen? What's mm -hmm. the next action that takes place? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Yennefer sees that. Yennefer right? sees the like, loot. Right. Yennefer sees, sees the loot, and um. Yeah, that's, and hard cut to black here. Oh, and uh, Dara is on the boat as and well. Right, and Dara's on the boat. So Dara is going to send gigantic hair, huge hair, all natural hair. He looks great. Let's um. Speaking of Dara, let's go over to Dijkstra real quick before we pop over to to Care Morin. Um, I think that's I think that's where we should go next since we just mentioned Dara. Um, I have to say this is a great character introduction. Did you? Have you, I mean, I don't know if you met. You read a little I've bit of met, the books. Did I've you meet Dijkstra in the books? Dijkstra in the books. Okay. This is a great character introduction. He's a great character overall. He's a great character in uh, Witcher Three: The Wild Hunt. He's a great character in the books. He is he is awesome in this show. So I'm very excited to see much more of him. Um, One, well, it, you know, he's sort of what the episode's named after. Yeah, fully. His I, he, the icon of the episode is him. But he's in it for. Oh, yeah. like a blip really i know and i wish i could watch a whole episode of just him doing his thing um so at first you know we we're seeing king Vizimir of redania talking with two random people i don't know what they're there for i don't know if they're advisors i'm not sure 100 old friends though right he old knew, friends he's right. known them since childhood right and uh he's handed a cup by this woman who is then surprisingly stabbed through the neck and we get the the shot of dijkstra um, and it's so low key, like this must happen in his chambers every <laughs> other day, right? Because King Vizimir is just like, hello, Dijkstra. <laughs> right? Right. And he's like, hello. <laughs> like that's that's it. Like the, the conversation is so breezy. Um, like he didn't just murder somebody trying to hand him a cup of, of wine. Right. And then Dijkstra takes that, goes back, pours another cup of wine, brings it to the guy, gives it to him and tells him to drink. And that guy hesitates, rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah, because it's poisoned. But then he drinks it. He drinks it. I would have sat down. Before before drinking the I, what you know is a poison I, 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 cup of wine? A, a poison that makes you foam at the mouth, yes. Yeah. yeah. I would have sat down. Steph? Instant, instant foam at the mouth. 
There was no like usually you like convulse a little bit. Yeah, no. Instant foam. He just foamed, and then, poof, foamed and fell. And that was it. Uh, yeah. When he must have been a little bit in shock. He just seen whatever his partner, wife, whatever their relationship is, right. stab through the neck. <laughs> um, and we see all this. This is another like really clever part of what we're seeing, which I know you're going to chat about probably in a minute. Is this owl enters like that's how we enter into mm. the scene, and we get again like really interesting hyper wide angle image of the owl's point of view, yeah, which is like really lovely. This white owl. Um, yeah, how did you know I was going to talk about visual. this? I'll talk about this in a moment. Because you have to talk about it. I have to talk about this it. This is information you have, you have that I don't. I have a lot of... While we were watching. I have words to say about the owl. The owl showed up and he I said, I like, know what this like, is. I know what this is. Yeah. And I was like, you see an owl. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, what? I don't understand. I, I have an idea of who it is because I have only watched up to episode six and this owl has not been explained yet as we're recording this episode based on what I've seen. Um, so I'll get to the owl in a moment. Before I get to the owl, though, um, they end up having this discussion, Vizimir and uh, Dijkstra have this discussion about Sintra and the elves flocking there and that they never would have conquered Sintra while Calanthe was around. But now that Calanthe's not there... It seems like Dijkstra's totally fine with going and like conquering Sintra at this point. Right, it seems like we couldn't beat Calanthe, but we can beat these guys. Right, we can beat the Nilfgaardians who are holding holding Sintra. Um, and there, there's also no, um, there's no repercussions from other realms in the north if we take, if Sintra, take Sintra now, right? right? There would have been repercussions. Because we're liberators, allies, right? right. We're, we're liberators of them. Whoop. Yeah. So, so yeah, you'll be seen as a as a good guy because one of the northern realms took back what was once theirs. Right. Um, so there are definitely politics playing here. Um, it's it's and it's less. Don't don't think that Dijkstra is not necessarily a racist. He, I don't think Dijkstra necessarily hates the elves. He just doesn't care about them. Right, he, like he's, he's a just he's a political player. animal. Yeah, right. He's a completely this is political it. animal. Yeah, he's not empathetic to them. He's just trying to to win power. Um, so yes, um, so he ends up going back to his room. He is now shirtless, drinking out of some kind of container that must have some alcohol in it, um, and he right. just seems. Why I he seems crazy, like full on psychotic, talking to this owl. <laughs> I don't know what you thought of him in that moment, but he's definitely perceived me as somebody who's just Steph? insane. Steph, what did you think Talk of Dijkstra you. talking to the owl in his room while he's... It sounded like he was going wacko. Yeah, definitely. He, like he was having a moment. Right, and you only hear one side of this conversation. Um, does, does he hear the other side? I fully believe that he hears the other He's side. The, there's an, the owl is talking back to him. We just don't hear the owl's... Dicks. It's like a one-sided phone call. Is what it feels like. You just don't hear the other the person on the other line. Um, so I have to say that I this I don't know if this is spoilers or not. Um, I can't say otherwise because I haven't seen to where this would have been spoiled for anybody in in the uh, show. But if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead by like a little bit of time, and uh, I'll stop talking about it. So I think that this owl is another mage uh, named Philippa Eilhart, who is one of the only. Mages, as far as I know, who can turn herself into an animal. She chooses to turn herself into an owl. Um, she does this in Witcher 3, The Wild Hunts. Um, although she has no eyes in that game, she has eyes in the show and in the book. 
Um, she has no eyes, and the only way she can see in that game is through the eyes of an owl or another animal. So um, I think that's who this is, and she works with Dijkstra as well in the books and in, in the game. Uh, in the game, maybe I'm, not, maybe I'm not sure in the game, but yeah, so that's who I believe this is. I think we will get her reveal at some point in this season. If we don't, I'll be a little disappointed because she's a pretty cool character. Um, so yeah. That's that's my thought about the owl. Again, haven't seen that play out yet. But um, he was a very strong physical body, right? So we, when you're thinking of sort of the Varus kind of role, you're looking at someone who's yeah. physically much yeah, yeah, less yeah. dominating. Yeah. And when he came into the room, he's big, but that and then he without a shirt, he looks like oh yeah. I think Deke straight could up probably body throw down in like a, a boxing match. Right. I think he could probably hold his own. Varus, no, definitely not. No. Um, he has that sort of like old man boxer look, right? Like, like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the rough and tumble, like bare you can knuckle tell this boxer guy, from the 1930s. This guy looks like he 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 doesn't look like he grew up in royalty. He looks like he grew up on the streets and worked his way up, right? Like he has right. this brawler vibe, right, that's it. but is still educated and intelligent and um, strategic. Mm -hmm. So. Anyway, um, they end up talking about, he has this conversation with the owl about <laughs> getting um, information on a mirror, right? The only, right. the goal is to get info on a mirror mm -hmm. because he doesn't know anything about him. And you say that they have a conversation. It's more like a monologue. In the show, it's more like a monologue. Right. There, you can almost though, like if you, as I was watching the scene, I'm saying he's talking to Philippa and Philippa is able to um, converse with him. Right. Uh, mentally, te telepathically, right? In in the same way that we saw Verena telepathically right. yep. okay. talk to. That was a setup for this. Mm -hmm. And so we'll get that reveal, I think, later on. Um, and I, I, w I would, I, I don't know actually if we'll, I think we'll see another conversation like that in some way, but I don't know if we're going to get a reveal of like what the whole conversation was eventually, you know? Um, anyway, they know nothing about Amir, and if Dijkstra doesn't know anything about Amir, then legitimately nobody knows anything about Amir. Right. right? If Dijkstra doesn't know, no one knows. Um, so they send a spy in to Sintra to try and find out info on Amir. That spy ends up being Dara, who I... you Steph said that she, she thought that he died in season one. I thought he did. Maybe I was just sad. Sorry, what? I thought he did. And you were just sad? Yeah. I think they just separated and he stayed in the woods yeah so how he got from the woods to here is a story maybe we'll learn but it's been not. it's been a long time it's been a long time, a long time. His, hair grew. his hair did grow well we, we did learn that it's only been months since uh Geralt Yaskier and and uh Yennefer parted on that mountain with the uh, that whole episode with the golden dragon right it says it's only been months I haven't seen Geralt in months um, in the in episode five, he says that. Uh, so yeah, it hasn't it hasn't been too too long. In my head, it's been like a year or more, year and a half is what right. I thought it was going to be the jump, but only only been a month. So anyway, that's um that's that on Dijkstra. Um, anything else you want to add about Dijkstra? And no, I just that? think it's a great character. Yeah, I was yeah. surprised he had so little screen time, and I anticipate we're going to see. Him I certainly hope we see a lot some, more. Yeah. Yeah. In some big capacity. He, he's a major player, so he needs to be around much, well, we, much more. One of the things the show is going to need to do is find its way to get this, these political areas 
intersecting with our characters more clearly, right? Like right now there's such a distinction between the power politics and the Witcher for all practical purposes mm -hmm. and, and uh, the There's Witchers, so many whatever. different pieces on the board that are moving around and some pieces masquerade as other pieces and like there's a lot of secrets and a lot of there's a lot of things that happen um so it's going to be hard for them to keep track mm -hmm. of all of these things and clearly be able to explain to the audience like without giving anything away without giving any twists away without you mm -hmm. know what i mean it's it's yeah i don't envy their job the screenwriters because it's it's hard to keep track of um anyway let's uh head up to yeah this baby's spitting a little bit she loves the elephant we can take a portal or something up to care and that sounds great that's great um <laughs> you may begin to hear baby sound now baby sounds have this begun be maybe more entertaining than the rest of the podcast uh so we see that uh Geralt and Siri are training climbing mountains jumping over rocks and uh they're running the trail or what the witchers call the killer and uh we end up seeing siri fall spill some blood on the ground she's just constantly beaten up i feel like in this show just constantly bruised and beaten and battered and well and what's what we'll learn later about this but it's looking clever because on all the training areas we've seen her bleed right and we've seen her spit blood out so we've, yeah. we've had all those visual references yeah pretty much everywhere she's bleeding uh, and Triss arrives and meets Siri on the trail, very much like she does in, in the book. Um, and uh, yeah, she meets meets her on the trail, and Geralt is also there carrying some giant boar on his back. Well, we got this this tease that there was a monster coming, right? There's yes, walking through, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're running along, and there's a tease that something bad's about to happen. And right. we, it's great because that that kind of tease then undercuts the tease we get later when we are in the sewers right, right so right. so there's like, like we we are getting the sort of uh there's a little maybe, there's a, maybe there's a monster maybe there's a yeah. monster uh and then it's tris right or and a boar one or the other yeah. i guess yeah um, yeah garrett was hunting a boar and siri was just running through the woods right. i felt like yeah um so yeah that's great introduction to tris um i had i imagine this is where it was going based on one the books and two what she was summoned away somewhere right mm -hmm. so um yeah it seems like siri's glad to have woman around in care more in a bit right like she doesn't feel so alone as the only woman in in this keep um i mean at one point she compliments triss's dress mm -hmm. you know so it, it feels like siri's glad to have another woman around Tris opens up that door really quickly with mm -hmm. she's gentle and kind and it feels like she's making an approach which we know is why she's here right yeah but it it works really quickly like it immediately is is successful and so they get back to the keep and the guys are jerks and yes Tris takes them to account well yeah right and um we that happens even like the following day right after like siri's been used to 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 tris being around and she's like maybe i can dress a little bit more feminine mm -hmm. and like i'll i'll wear like a nice tunic rather than like these rags that i was in and she put a flower in her hair and like her hair is not in this braided viking braid anymore right it's like just down and it's done nicely and lambert and cohen are just jerks about it um and this was a this was a moment that i was hoping would happen because 
she reams them out hard in the book for mm-hmm. like not taking care of this this girl and all this talk of like periods and feminine hygiene and like all of this stuff like well i i just want to make a a small observation so there's a thing that happens in this sequence of scenes and i was like uh oh so she says and you do you have rags for her when you know when right. it's her time or whatever yeah. language she uses and and, and when her first blood right her that blood. Yeah, her blood. She has her blood right and then the, and then Tris yells and then they go, they go someplace else and the next bit we see it's him hanging hand her a rag and oh, I, is it right? I laughed I was like ha that's funny and it was bread it was just bread yeah it was just bread I was like <laughs> I was like good really well done you made me think that immediately Carol was like oh oh crap I better go get a rag wait I need to, let's go get this you for her know how that works no <laughs> that, that no. felt like the those part of the shame of those guys is stuff that Trish said it was completely out of their experience. Oh, that's exactly it. Yeah. And so, in the in the books, that's that's what it's what it's about too, is like you're not thinking about this woman, you're thinking of her, you're treating her as this witcher boy, and you you can't do that. I mean, even in the they've mentioned like, hey, you need to cut down on, you know, you can't feed her all these mushrooms and things like that too, right? right? Well, in the books, she's eating these mushrooms and these salads from Caramoran that have this physical property that's turning her into like this hulking dude like it's getting rid of her almost like getting rid of her estrogen and giving her testosterone and she's like you can't keep giving her this stuff because she's not going to be able to grow breasts like in the book she legit says like she won't look like a woman if you keep doing this so like don't stop giving it to her just cut it back by a, a lot well but, that was when the rag thing she she adds like if you keep feeding the mushroom she's not going to need it anyway yeah I mean, it's, she and I have to tell you, like, if she is not harsh on them in the show, in the book, she just she crushes them, just completely destroys them in the book. Um, she's not nice about it in any way whatsoever. So anyway, this was the scene I was hoping we were going to get. I'm glad we got it. I'm glad it was discussed. Um, so yeah, and and Geralt reveals to to Siri that Triss is here to help her with the power too. Right. Um, Tris is here for her. Um, Tris is here for her, and uh, I think that's great. I think it's it's where the show needs to go, and um, you know, Siri needs to learn how to control her powers. And well, by by the end of the episode, we have. I mean, things are moving in a new direction, right? Like mm-hmm. we, yeah, that it's. I mean, we're we're moving in in a new direction, so. Uh, so let's just take the beat and say uh, that Geralt and Triss in the books get it on, and here he rejects her. Yeah, really we're, quickly. We're definitely getting a more respectable Geralt, right? Like, uh, I'm not over Yennefer sort of thing, and I don't want to hurt you, so right. I'm not going to sleep with you. Even though I'm pretty sure Geralt in the books would be like, "Yes, we're going to do this," because he the does. Game, whatever, right? Yeah. Like, oh, for sure. Uh, the amount of witches and or mages you can sleep with in The Witcher Three <laughs> is ridiculous. Yeah, um, and so it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he decides not to not to stay with her in the show, which I have to say, I'm cool with that too. Like whatever. I don't think I, there's gonna be some people who are Team Triss, and they're not gonna be happy about that. But whatever. I am. I think. I think. 
it would be weird for us to view Geralt going and doing that, even though we'd understand why, right? Like he just lost Yennefer. He needs to be consoled. Like he's heartbroken. He, you know, this is a, that would be a way for him to, I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it would be a way for him to think that he's healing, but he's really not. Um, but it would have been a waste of screen time, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going, if you want to tell a story, yeah, there's things you're going to get rid of. I'm perfectly comfortable with, yeah, totally getting fine. rid of that. And to be honest, this is like an anti Game of Thrones moment. So, the, yeah, I mean, right. Game of Thrones would yeah. have said, "Oh, wait, we can we can sacrifice a little bit of character development in order to get some more boobs on, on the, the screen. screen." Right, right. And exactly. here we we go yeah. the other direction. Yeah, they're like, "We've given you your fair share of boobs in the last episode. Right. You can't have them twice in a row." That's okay. Right. We're not going to waste any more time. Yeah, we're not going to waste any time here. So, uh that was great, but you know, this this whole thing comes up about uh series foresight, her powers, right? And her pull towards the monsters and what feels like also the monsters pull towards her. Right. Um and that Geralt is really wondering if this new this Myriapod, this new monster that was created that that monster that killed the Leshy, mm-hmm. if that monster was created by mages if it was created by magic right. or if it was created by something else. And so Triss does this little spell thing, right? Takes takes uh, some stellocyte or something, this this thing. Oh, no, they don't describe the stellocytes till later. Sorry, the, backtracking. So the, it's this great moment where we see science and magic mixing. So right. first they sort of grab stuff and they put it into a... It's like this beaker. A beaker. And, uh, and then she does a spell. And then she says, it'll glow if it's... Yeah, and created they by leave. a mage. Well, they, they and that thing must be a perpetual motion machine. It has like, to be because it's still spinning in the morning. There's no right? batteries, like, right? Yeah. They don't have electricity. She just tosses it, and just it, keeps it, spinning. Just, it starts it's like she pressed on something, and that thing kept spinning. And then the next day, she comes down, and she's like, "It's not quite ready yet." Yeah, but but about thirty seconds later, it, it is it's done. Ready, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was right, right, just about. <laughs> yeah, she's very, very specific about when it's ready. Yeah, very. And, specific. But it's funny because it's not ready yet, and then it's ready, and then it didn't work. Right. So like, I'm how not did, sure. How did you know how it was you ready? Know it was ready. What is the thing? Yeah, I know. That told I know. you it was ready. Well, it's the same thing in the next episode where, um, <laughs> where Vesemir smells this new, like, potion thing, this new mutagen, and is like. It worked. And I'm like, no, right, how did exactly. you know that it worked? Like, no, it's right. <laughs> I just it was don't know. Good. I just don't know. Um, but yeah, so she just says that it 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 didn't work, but something's different, right? And that there's this there's this this element or something, right? That's uh, this stellocyte that is part of the genetic makeup right. of this creature. And then Geralt's like, wait, I pulled this off the less. She has the same sort of stellocyte and the stellocyte is from these monoliths and um they've connected it to this monolith that siri toppled in uh the first season uh when she's being when she's escaping from kahir essentially yeah and so like Geralt is now connecting that okay siri screamed toppled this this monolith maybe that's why these monsters that are maybe now coming out of this monolith are attacking Siri because it was her power that right. you know awoken them or something you know, um, so Trist port portals him to Istrid, and because Istrid's the one who knows about monoliths, right, right. which he's, we learned about earlier. Right? He's the like monolith he a, expert, he's right? He's this historian, right. um, and we, he they, and we have a nice little yeah. shield. Yeah, we get a great shield, and we have a very sick, nauseated uh, Geralt right. who's well, like I. 
hate Bortles. I know, man. that's a great opening, yeah. great line of Bortle. Oh, so Bortles. good. Yeah, he hates those things in the books too, man. He's uh, So I'm glad they've kept that there, that, that character trait. Uh, and that may be, a, I, I, I want to know how much of Geralt's character is being written in by the screenwriters or if he's like, you guys didn't include Geralt hates portals and so I'm just going to act very sick now that I'm right. in this space because Geralt hates portals. Um, well, yeah, it's, it, it's great that Cavill leans into all of these moments, yeah. right? Like, yeah, he knows the character so well. Um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's pretty much where... Well, but we get we the reveal, off, right? uh, isn't this where we... Oh yeah, Vesemir does walk. Reel, right? Yeah, that's right. And so we get this interesting Vesemir walking around picking up these what look like pansies, right? Like these little purple flowers. Yeah, I didn't write down what they're really called. There's some kind of elvish sounding word flower, but uh, yeah, he was walking along the trail, right? And everywhere the blood is spilled, he sees these purple flowers being, you know, these, these flowers blooming. And uh, he takes them back to Triss and uh, they discover that they're 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 elder blood flowers essentially right like right they're elder blood flowers. yeah wherever wherever these flowers bloom wherever they grow elder blood is spilled in that spot and they connect the pieces they connect the dots and recognize that siri has elder blood which is a whole it just pushes her character right right through the next doorway and into you know it ups the stakes and it's going to be a major major plot point moving forward um so yeah, that's a very long roundabout way to discuss uh, episode four. Um, <laughs> but the thing about it is all this stuff is great. Like this is one where the, yeah. everything's like landing all cylinders, whether or not it's perfect mm -hmm. uh, uh, from a book perspective, the characters are where they need to be for us to enjoy the show. Yeah. Yennefer and Yasker together are great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, and on the other end, we get Triss who elevates those scenes in Kaer Morhen and you know, it, it just, everything seems to be yeah. hitting really well. Yeah, everything's great so far. I love, I love, it, I, I really like this episode. I feel like I worry that we're moving really quickly though. And See, so that's what I wonder about. Do you I, think we're moving slowly? I think, well, okay, I think that the season is moving quickly and I think that the story is moving slowly. Okay. Right? Like I think I'm, I mean we're halfway, and there's stuff in the books that hasn't happened yet that I feel like should have happened by this point. It's because this whole like the first three episodes don't really exist in the book, right? Right. So I can't. I I'm having a really hard time figuring out how they're gonna land the plane here at the end of this season. Like I don't know where they're gonna end off. Where they're gonna stop? Yeah. Like I really have. I'm I'm trying to figure it out. Um. So. Either they're going to skip some really boring stuff or they're going to move pieces around again. Um, something's going to happen and there's going to be stuff cut out. But uh, yeah, that is episode four. Let's um, move on to episode five. Great. Oh, boy. Well, episode five. There is quite a good bit of stuff that happens in this episode. And... Uh, I mean, we're bouncing around between Kaer Morhen, uh, Geralt and Istrid, and still in Oxenfurt with Yen and Yaskir. 
Uh, and then there's a brief little section in Sintra as well. Um, we can maybe just get Sintra right out of the way, maybe. Let's just do it. Let's yeah. just bang our way through. Uh, Sintra is really kind of towards the end of the episode here. So um, essentially what's happening. So spoilers for the rest of the episode as we do. The yes. Little yeah, bit. A... <laughs> what? Here we go. Um, Start with the spoiler. The spoilers, you know, Kahir is on this boat arriving back in Sintra um, and Frangilla and Francesca are having a meeting and they they really feel like partners at this point. Um, they make the, a point of talking about the fact mm -hmm. that they're not used to that and it works really well. Yeah, and Frangilla's definitely referencing her relationship with Kahir. Right. Right, like it definitely feels like she is referencing this... Uh, this old relationship she had with Kahir, uh, platonic professional like colleagues, but one that didn't respect her um, and just kind of pushed her around. Um, and that same person is returning to to her whereabouts at the present moment. So, um, yeah, the, you know, Francesca and Fragilla's relationship I actually like, and they're treating each other equally with respect. It's a partnership for them. Um, and uh, we see Kahir arrive. Nobody recognizes him. Right. Yeah. Like, well, it's interesting because what's happened is the elves are in charge of security. Mm -hmm. Like things have changed. The elves are in charge of security, and they don't know him. They yeah. don't know who he they is. Don't know who he is. So when he gets there, he just his arrogance has returned. Right. Any any empathy we had for him, any humanization that took yeah. place in the previous couple of episodes, gone, gone, stripped away. Yeah. He comes in looking like a ragamuffin, and they won't let him pass. And then he says who he is. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's back, and uh, even Phil Evangel comes up to him and is just like, "You gotta like wait in line, and get right, your papers." Exactly. He's like, "Dude, I don't know, I don't know you. Go wait in line." And uh, the idea of these people having papers, I don't think any. I, I don't these know. These are refugees. Like these it's are such like, a strange. You know, there's a like, lot there's going on no here. Papers. Uh, so, but there's people. There are people who are showing up. Like if you don't have papers, you gotta wait in line. You gotta let us know who you are, where you're from. Which anybody could say they're from anywhere. Um, it's just kind of you get trust your elven people that, but like here's clearly not an elf. I don't know if they realize that his ears are not pointed. Um, I don't know if you can see it under his shaggy got, hair. I, he looks a mess. But, he does look a mess. But uh, yeah, Frangilla does recognize him and welcomes him home. Um, and uh, that's that. That's Sintra in a nutshell. Which means that we, and we know Dara got there, right? And mm. we know that the our elf yeah. family was safely arrived yeah that boat that yaskir put them on arrived safely um and uh that's the gist of sintra so do you think what percentage of elves do you think yaskir effectively gets on a boat like how many elves how, like no so like he, every mission the sandpiper takes mm -hmm. with no plan to get them on what percentage of those result in all of the elves dying oh <laughs> steph thoughts do you think he's successful like a, like usually? A percentage. I don't think he's successful every time. You don't think he's successful every time? No. Like how often like, would you, you say Like you mean he's like how often does the boat get there? Because that's a different story. No, how often does he get the elves from their hiding place to the boat past security? They all seem so confident in his skill. <laughs> right, it would make and, you want to say almost 100%. And right. yet when he demonstrates his skill. It's not 100%. I'm going to say probably actually about 70% of the time he yeah. gets them on the boat. I think there's 30% of elves that are probably just murdered in the street. And that guy who probably peed himself in episode four may be really mad at Yaskir for not letting, for not having a plan to get on the boat. I don't so know. Just, I just wanted to take that pause because this a was a thought. successful thing. And, That's a good and, thought. And there we go. Uh, all right. So 
now where, where do you want to jump? Um, let's go to Geralt and Istrid because there's not a ton that happens with them either. Right. Um, some of these things, this is going to be hard to talk about because some of these things kind of interweave with each other in the edit. Right. Um, so we'll and just stick with Geralt and Istrid and that may reference some other things later. Um, they're talking about monoliths. Geralt's kind of explaining his theory behind, you know, these monsters and well, they they this first they have this like they're in the they're in the library wherever yeah, he is his study right and yeah. and we re see the previous scene again right you know we we get this nice in case deep, you forgot in case you forgot what happened yeah. we're gonna give you a minute to breathe because we're gonna do the same thing with Yasker so let's let's right. like Near establish this, it yeah, right which yeah. again nice storytelling yeah um and they they and we get the scientist Geralt being dismissed completely right. yeah. by the historian yeah right this oh he's just some witcher <laughs> he doesn't know anything meanwhile this guy has studied monsters and knows a whole lot more than what you give him credit for we, we've been watching him do that right and, and that's and, that's almost kind of reflective of this first season like Geralt doesn't really come off as like a super smart guy in season one you know in the book he's he is a smart guy he's intelligent he's empathetic he's kind of a philosopher in a lot of ways like there's he's he thinks deeply um and he feels deeply but again everybody dismisses witchers as these people who don't feel who don't have intelligent thoughts that they're just these monsters who hunt other monsters right uh so this is a, a more of a low-key reminder of that um but Geralt convinces convinces him to look into it right and we know we know that they are both lovers of Yennefer. Of Yennefer, but yeah. they, don't they don't know, know it, it yet. which is good. They don't know it yet. Yeah, they... Istrid, I don't believe, is really... I could be completely wrong. I may forget completely. I don't think he's in the novelizations. I think Istrid only appears in that one short story in right. either Sword of Destiny or The Last Wish. Yeah. And him and Geralt have, like, a conflict, right? Like, they have some sort of battle over Yennefer, right. don't they? Yeah, but here, here he's been a player, and he is currently a player. <laughs> Sorry, distraction. Oh, oh she's pooping. <laughs> oh, there's a baby pooping right, right now on the podcast. On I, you want to talk in the mic? What are you gonna say? This did you is, did you feel a rumble? Oh, I felt multiple. This is there's multiple podcasts. rumbles. <laughs> what are you drinking? Ginger beer. Mm. Yeah, we're this is podcasting at its best. Oh. Baby no, no, grabbing. No. <laughs> Very my glass of ginger beer, um, <laughs> pooping, drinking, drinking a bottle. Okay. There we go. And why don't you just fill her up? I don't know. I don't no, think so. I don't no, think I it think was. You, I think currently it's you have that baby's butt set in a place where nothing's going to escape yet. Um, she's drinking really well though. She hasn't didn't do that. Never mind. We're getting lost in this. So uh, I think that Istrid and Geralt had this conflict over Yennefer in the books. And I think they ended up like fighting each other, like physically fighting each other, right? I think there's other, a physical right? fight between the two of them, right? I don't remember it, how in, it ends. In, in like a super ugly story. Like that story yeah, feels yeah. very different than a lot of the rest of the book. Yeah, and it's not one of my favorites in any way whatsoever. Um, and therefore, I don't remember how it ends, but I think it ends in some way of like Yennefer being like, guys, you can't fight over me. Like I'm not a piece of property. And I think that's where they separate up, right? Like screw you both, I'm leaving. I yeah. think that's it. But she's with, Istrid in the book in that yeah she romantically she's with Istrid right. for a bit before she's with with Geralt or maybe in between right her relationship with Geralt I'm not sure 
Um, so they travel. They 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 <laughs> they travel again, and they go to the scar. But on the way, yeah, yeah, they're walking to the monolith, right? Istrid is such a dick. Like, just... <laughs> yeah, no, he is. And Istrid even says at one point, he says that these monoliths are indestructible. So, like, right. how do you think that this could happen, right? right. Like, this is this is not. This is not something that can even occur. Right. But I guess we'll go and check it out because he has his own secret agenda anyway, right? Which is that discussion that he he and Geralt have. Right. And Geralt's not telling him his either. Right. Right. Geralt is obviously only giving part of the truth. Um, he doesn't give his reason for going. He only gives what he thinks is happening. Well, and he says, I think it's really interesting because that you know he says, I know everything about. Istrid says, I know everything about monoliths oh but this is the one i haven't seen yeah, <laughs> yeah right, a great right, right. moment like oh but there's so much arrogance uh, from Istrid, unbelievable right? yeah and, and so as they they sort of veer off the road and as they're crossing towards where the monolith is they're confronted by right these two guards these two, these guards. two guardian guards who don't care at all that you are working for fringilla you're on nilf guardian land and therefore you need to leave and uh what does Geralt do? Does he just push him off his horse? What Ger does he do? Geralt beats him up. Oh, he oh he bops him on the head with his yeah. sword, right? Yeah, and, and then <laughs> the second guy gets zapped by yeah. Uh, Istrid pushes Istrid. him off his horse. Right. Like, yeah, he uses like the mage form of art or force push essentially, right? Um, He's like, yeah. and, I'm, and so I'm not useless. They're, they're just these two guys are yeah. posturing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just a alpha. Yeah. sort of thing right um there is one line that said is that you know when they're discussing those secret agendas um it made me think that this this also applies to other characters mm -hmm. in this season you know we're seeing that with stregobor right doing his thing we're seeing that with tissaia mm -hmm. doing her thing and and vilgefort's wanting to uh vie for power in we get to get those seats on the in the brotherhood um, you're seeing this with Dijkstra, with all all the anybody in the politics realm is doing this. They have a secret agenda. Um, Vesemir has a secret uh, agenda, yeah, right? Like this right. is this is about everybody having this agenda, um, whether it's secret or not. Vesemir Vesemir has one. He mm -hmm. wants more Witchers, um, and he's willing to use Siri to to do it. Um, so this this line applies to everybody mm -hmm. in this show. Great. Um, but yeah, they're at this rift. Um, and all of a sudden, Istrid is like, "This is unheard of." Like <laughs> this monolith expert, you're right. This is this changes everything. He says, um, and Geralt says, "We have to go down there." Yeah. And my immediately thought was, "How how are you? How are you getting down there? Getting you know, down rappel there. down there?" Right. Yeah. And Istrid says, "I'm going with you," which now means Geralt has more difficulty doing it, I guess. Yeah. And then, although then he could portal them down there, maybe. And then I'm we're really down sure. there. Like that's what it is. Immediately, yeah. they're down there. Yeah. Um, and we discover that, you know, this is a part of potentially the conjunction. There's, it's not exactly how we thought the conjunction happened, or there's like maybe, maybe this other branch of thought that really wasn't fleshed out all that much. And uh, Istrid says something along the lines that when everything collided, you know, some of the spheres didn't like essentially break off, and that they remain full spheres somewhere else, and that these monoliths are now gateways from those spheres where those monsters can now come into our continent, come into our world through those other, through those monoliths acting as these gateways. Um, 
So that's interesting. Again, not something that happens in the book at all. And it seems really significant, right? Like yeah. it feels it's Siri tied. It seems very significant to our story. Yeah. Whether this becomes a way of like elevating action in a gap between main storyline from the books or not. I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not sure what the purpose of this entire storyline is. I'm not sure why. It does get Geralt away from Siri and lets us have the uh Vesemir Mm, yeah, this this was maybe like how time. do we get Geralt away from Caramoran yeah. for a bit, right? Um, no, but, you're totally right. Yeah, I'm not sure how it's gonna play out. I'm not sure what's gonna happen with that whole thing. But. And the thing chases him, right? Like this, like stalag, whatever. Oh, these, these uh, the creature the, comes after him, doesn't it? That creature just comes out at the end, right? And so they have this moment where they're talking about. Yen or Yena, right. as Istrid yeah. calls her, right? So mm -hmm. they they reveal that um, he loves her, present day loves right. her, and Geralt learns that she's still alive. And it's why you have Henry Cavill playing the role because he nails that yeah. beat. Yeah, he can do the work, um, especially with cat eyes, cat contacts on. Like he can right. still do it. Um, but yeah, as um, as I think we'll get to that. We'll get to that monster thing when we talk about Siri, right. Triss, mm -hmm. and Vesemir, which um, we can go to in a moment. But Istrid returns to his study after mm -hmm. after this whole thing, sees this uh, this bust that he almost knocked over earlier of King Rognar, who I think was one of the Sintran royalty, one of mm -hmm. the Sintran kings, and it inspires him to go through the royal Sintran family tree um, oh, right. That's in right. search for something related to to these monoliths and whatever, all of these things. Um, because I, does Geralt not say that when this happened or he does, does he tell him when it happened? When the, I don't think he gives Istrid any information. So it, but Istrid looking in that family tree is interesting because it's a great like editing parallel. This is one of those places where like we're have it's editing back and forth for mm. us between what's happening with Vesemir yeah. and Triss and, uh, Siri. Yeah. That whole thing with Geralt and Istrid is like, back and forth right the mm -hmm. edit is going back and forth um but while we're on the let's just go to uh care more in here for a bit and uh there's actually this this has the most oh you know what we didn't even talk about yes here and yen good lord they jam-packed this episode it, it is flying yeah goodness so, gracious do you want to do yasker and yen or want to do care more let's do yasker and yen let's do yasker and yen uh, this is really how the episode starts, actually. Mm -hmm. um, well, because we got to come back and figure out what happened with the broken loot. That's right, with the broken loot, with the broken loot. Yeah, and it um, it starts with this. I don't know who it is. Her name is Lydia. I'm thinking maybe she's a mage of some sort. I'm not really sure. Um, walking into this Dimeridium prison. Oh right. Right, and there's this man just snapping in there, and uh, we learn his name is uh, Rains. And she is breaking him out. It's less breaking out. She has a key to let him out. Uh, but somebody is letting him out of prison to go and hunt Siri. Right, um, he's a bad guy. He's not a good dude. He's a bad, bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty terrible. And we get that, you know, sometimes the people who do use fire are potentially problematic. Yeah. And if you can control fire, you're even more problematic. Like we're going to learn that. Yeah, the there's a scene. whole conversation of all of that. 
And, and it's um, great. It's, it's there's this nice clicking bit, right? So he clicks, right, and, and that comes back later on, too. Right. That you know that this is this guy because of this snap, right? Um, there's a conversation. The conversation they have in there, um, yeah, and this is what I'm learning from this season is that a lot of the conversations, if you don't pay attention to what's going on, you are going. It's going to go over your head, right? Um, the conversation and and even on one watch through, there's conversations they're having that I'm not catching until I'm doing a second watch through, and what they're saying is that Reigns is assuming that this woman is working for Nilfgaard to help him hunt down Siri for Emir. But this woman says, I'm not working for Nilfgaard. I'm working for somebody else. And right. so then he agrees to do it because he doesn't want to be Nilfgaard's bounty hunter. But he's okay doing it for somebody else. He just doesn't want to work for Nilfgaard. Um, I know who this person is. I'm not going to say anything. This is going to be, this is like a, this is like a series long arc that they're doing right now. Um, and so I'm excited that they're, you mean his that whole storyline? That whole story, his the the secret person who is hiring him right. to hunt Siri down. This is like a series long arc here that they're mm-hmm. that they're finally starting because we're not in the short stories anymore like we were in season right. one. We're now actually in in the actual arc here now, which is great. Um, so yeah, so flash forward to this uh, this second time we've seen this performance by Askew, right? Right, but this time we get it from the barmaid's viewpoint who's like, I wish I could burn my ears Yeah, I, I wish I was deaf like my cousin or something <laughs> right. like that, right? Like, Rather than have to listen yeah. to this song, which is great. Like that, And again, it's one of those things where the show understands from either a meta perspective or whatever that it can be self-referential and yeah. self-deprecating and that that works. So an, a, a lesser show a show that has less heart to it, would have <laughs> yeah. just replayed that scene. Right. And instead, they switch perspectives and let us get a nice big gag out of yeah, it. Yeah, somebody who's like, God, I hate if I hear toss a coin one more time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we see from her perspective that Reince is there in the audience mm-hmm. watching this performance. Um, and uh, and yeah, we have to assume that Reince is the guy who kidnaps him, right, from that reveal um, we find out later that that is true, but it's only after that reveal that, um, or it's only after that reveal that he's in the bar that we see Yen is actually off the boat searching for it. Right. right. So she cares enough about Yaskier to go looking for, for her friend who I'm going to say that she considers a friend. Um, yeah, even they may, though they're kind of at odds with each other. They, sometimes. they certainly say they hate each other, Yeah, but they're bonded together. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And um, it makes it makes for good drama too so it's great and it's i i can't remember i think this is in the books she's thankful that yaskier she's thankful she's thankful for yaskier for being there for Geralt when he was alone like mm-hmm. so that he wasn't alone right right and yaskier was there by his side um so anyway she hires this prostitute to go see if yaskier's locked up somewhere um and then immediately notices this elf girl being taken away from like a human mother. So this elf girl must be like, you know, half or quarter elf. And they're not taking them. What looks like, I think the mom, um, and they're imprisoning this. She must be like 12 or something like that, Mm -hmm. maybe younger. And Jennifer cannot use her powers, but she's trying to anyway. And you're hearing this voice of that witch in the hut. Right. Um, and, uh, she just can't, she can't, she can't pull it off. She can't use her, use her powers. And, the prostitute is has returned and says like what are you doing with your hands or something like that and uh then tells her that she didn't find anybody named yaskier but that 
it might be a good idea to retrace your steps and see where you last found him. Where did you find him? And that's likely where he is now. Uh, Which takes us to the uh, like torture scene, kind of. It's not really a torture scene. It's like an interrogation. It is an interrogation. And well, I mean, it's sort of a torture scene, but Yasker is sufficiently weak that yeah. It requires very little directed torture. Yeah. Um, he. This is another moment we'll get up to later where we. How much was he really tortured? But yeah, and he's trying. Uh, essentially, this is this moment, and we've we. This is in the book, right? Where where it's like, can you please tell me the truth behind your songs? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to. So this is where you know after, after Yaskier has sung underneath the great oak he returns upstairs and this man enters and is asking him about you know the validity of his songs and his music and if you know did the witcher actually end up with this siri did all these things trying to get information on siri and Geralt and all those things and where is he and like all of those all of those details and yaskir does not give any of that up in the book because he doesn't want to talk about his work in general right but he also knows that this guy is out to harm Geralt and Ciri like he's just not a good bloke in the in the book so yeah this whole thing is is a little bit different in in the in the book he doesn't use any like I don't think any fire magic to burn his fingers the intention's the same to to damage like hey if you don't tell me like I'm gonna I'm gonna damage the thing that that allows you to do what you were meant to do in this world, right? Going back to this conversation right. that the we had. The purpose conversation. Yeah, the whole purpose conversation. Episode. And so he's, instead of instead of the fire, he has like, yes, you're like tied up or something with his, with his wrists and he was going to like essentially destroy his hands right. in a different way. Um, and uh, again, in the book, Yennefer comes in and saves him like she does here, but she has her powers in that scene. Um, in the book and and uh, has to go about it in different ways here and this was actually where I thought that she was going to get her powers back this was where I thought you know they would be restored they were going to do it yeah Yeah, but nope they did not so I'm really wondering when the heck they're going well, to come back we're, well we're, we sort of see where she goes to as the uh, as we head through the the rest of her bit she mm-hmm. she does that like she has a plan her plan is far more effective than Yasper's get on the boat plan. Yeah. She comes in his drunk lover, right? She tries to get him out yeah. and then they escape. Um and but almost immediately are she is captured because the prostitute yeah. put two and two together. Yeah. A little piece of paper, magic hand. Yeah, another like another person who's like, This paper looks exactly, exactly like, like this woman who gave me this uh this coin. So um, must be her. I love when she bites that coin too. I have to say, yeah. that's a great. It hurts my teeth every time someone uh, bites a coin in a sh- like. It's one of those nails on chalkboard things that make me like, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. It, so, so the prostitute turns her in. Woman's got to make a living, right? And mm-hmm. Jennifer is captured and imprisoned, right? So there we go. Right. Yeah. She's like being held in that house, and um. That's it. Hey, uh, to go back and touch on this fire magic thing really briefly, mm-hmm. um, Reigns is essentially mentioning that like fire magic usually consumes magicians. So like this is something they're actually giving us reason for why Yennefer disappeared right. last season, right? Because she just disappeared. Like we did not know why. We didn't understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they usually consume magicians, sorcerers, unless they're very talented and if the body can withstand it. Right. Meaning that Yennefer, we, I still don't fully understand how she got from point A to point B. After that, it, it's almost as if the fire consumed her, but then she rematerialized somewhere else mm -hmm. where she like accidentally portal, portaled herself out of that moment. Like I'm not 100% sure how she got from point A to point B. Right. Um, but here we're, we're learning that, oh, okay, Rance is particularly powerful too, the fact that he can use fire. Not in the same way though. You know what I mean? Like his his fire ability doesn't seem like it's on the level of Yennefer's. Well, I love the language about chaos, right? Mm -hmm. And so he has control and right. she has chaos, right? Mm -hmm. Like her, her fire was, I mean, it was like vomit. Like it just burst out right, of right, her right. and exploded. She, couldn't con right. she didn't have, she was aiming it in a way, but it was just- It was, it was almost like a bomb Flowing off, forward, right? yeah. yeah. Whereas for him, then the snap is such a nice way to to articulate that. Yeah, it's a it's like a light switch. It's like he's it's opening a, a little door. Yeah, his fingers like a lighter. He can turn it on and off. Yeah, and his body can withstand that heat. I wonder uh, how much heat he can withstand. Right, and, right? and that's, so there may be this mix of like he may not be as powerful, but he can control it. And whereas Yennefer may be more powerful, she can't control it yet. We're gonna see this play out. I think so. And, but sure. there's this other line that he says. Um, in that like if you deal with fire magic like unless you are it normally consumes unless you're very talented and the body can withstand it but it consumes the soul right and so too much of this and you can see this man is not somebody that looks like he has any sort of compassion or empathy mm -hmm. for anybody at all um he's out for himself um and so i think if we keep seeing yennefer deal with fire or if, or if she comes back this this whole that she doesn't have any power right now and this may be it may be the reason why knowing that she can use fire magic would she have continued to use fire magic if right. she had her power so i'm wondering if there is some being that like put a pause on her chaos ability on her magic ability so that she wouldn't lose her soul essentially right, right? i don't know if some, anything like that's going to be explained but that's just where my thoughts are right now going forward um and yeah how does she get out of that situation in when she's chained up? She's well. She gets the voice in her head again. Yeah. Just tell me what you want, and so she says a few words, and she right. is in the hut. Yeah. Right? She says those magic words that turn that hut around, and right. Yeah. She's yeah. like, take me back to the hut, mm -hmm. and then when she's in the hut, she starts talking to the figure who turns into or is whatever is Siri, right? Yeah. Um, and so she's talking with Siri. Uh, about what has to happen here. Yeah, how do I get my powers back? Siri tells her, if you want your powers back, essentially take me to the shattered black door just outside Sintra, pretty much at the monolith, mm -hmm. right? Um, so there's some force at work that is trying to manipulate Yennefer to get her to bring Siri to this place and like, there's all this. There's all this stuff. Yeah. I don't know where they're going with that. There's a. I mean, there's certainly a bigger story happening there. It's exciting, but there is a big story happening yeah. there. So that that is how the episode ends. There, right? Actually, right. I think that's mm -hmm. how the episode ends. Um, so I was wrong. I thought it ended in Sintra. It does not end in Sintra. It ends with. I feel like there's multiple ending endings sometimes in these episodes. Um, yeah, that's a hard cut to black there. But let's head over to Siri Tris and Vesemir and. Um, walk through this 
pretty quickly and there's there's really there's really one big thing that happens with them that needs to be discussed because right it's it's kind of a huge moment um what did you think of this whole other than other than that moment that i'm sure you know what i'm talking about that whole vision thing um what did you think of of this whole so this is one of those moments where not being where not being through the books i have to say is this supposed is this going to happen or not like i legit doesn't don't know what's going to happen well i felt the same way even though i was going through the books i'm wondering if they're going to take a hard right turn and do something that i'm going to be very upset with right Um, i mean the stakes were extremely high mm -hmm. and but you know i love the moral quandary that vesemir's in and i love the lack of moral concern that siri has like her clear i'm gonna do what's best for the witchers who i respect and love and you know he right says you can't do this and he says well i'm gonna sort of leave it up to her Mm -hmm. you know she has to make this choice she has to have agency which is interesting right that's an important thing the idea that other way around right it's the other way around around. yeah yeah um the it is amazing to me that uh we this you know this elder blood becomes the path by which we can create more witchers right and the vesemir's desire to do that is so palpable like it's just great acting right like there's a whole lot of good stuff going on yeah. here and tris is does not want that to does not want to put serious yeah risk, she's right? like very concerned that she's going to be harmed and damaged in some way doing this knowing that a lot of witchers don't survive right this thing but that even beside that she doesn't think that siri is going to take the uh you know do the trials of the grasses mm-hmm. and all that she's just doesn't it's not up to anybody else to decide to take her blood it's up to her right first and foremost if she wants to give up mm-hmm. any of her elder blood and what this could be used for in other ways with other people if this gets into the wrong hands sort of thing you know like that could be that could be pretty bad they could grow purple flowers apparently oh, they just grow yeah you can just <laughs> sprinkle it around your garden and you can <laughs> we can get purple flowers um the and the idea of taking blood too so we 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 keep going back to these sciencey moments which i think are great mm-hmm. like i love the blood taking sequence like it's like yeah bargain basement right. science you know yeah. but it's happening and then uh but Sir, but vesemir and siri have a conversation but he keeps on having in his head those visions of children not making it. And he tells the story of, mm-hmm. you know, a lots of children who I was developing die with uh, he's, this. He's very traumatized over yeah. it, right? And you can tell he cares about Siri because of the, uh, he's he doesn't, he like wants to do it, but he doesn't want to do it on her yeah what i mean she says you can have my blood to do this thing because i understand it's important and i care about witchers but the only way you can do it is if you make me a witcher right and he immediately says no like i think it's great like his first response is like no he's like heck no it's not worth doing and she ends up convincing him um by saying like i i have damaged so many things i've broken so many things like my life is just in ruins like let me at least heal one thing right she's like i was made for like i was meant to do this i was made for this um and he gives in yeah and it's a great just these are really interesting moral dilemmas that that make for good story like and help us 
yeah. it not just be blow up a monster of the week's you know movie. We, we also know that Siri wants to be like the Witchers, right. right? She is starting to dress like them, look like them, act like them. I mean, in the beginning, when we see Siri, she's training up on this pendulum thing, and she's fighting the dummy up there, and right. she cuts its head off. And at one point, she's telling Triss, like, "I'm training right now. I'll come in later." Like signifying like she wants to do witcher things and not sorceress things. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and, and Tris says you don't even know who you're fighting. I think that's like a really great line yeah. too, because it is true. Like that's a mm -hmm. that's a, one of these truths that drops that we'll be confronting later on in the story, right? Yeah, if you follow me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Uh, like so, it's it's great when these things get seeded. So sh so um, Vesemir gives in now. Gives into the. Let's stick her with the witcher juice right and well and and she he tells her before all this too like hey i gotta break it to you here you're part elf essentially right like there's this elf gene that is like part of your family and, and like she's like my grandmother hated elves you know there's this whole like there's this whole thing again about race and like vesemir says something along the lines of sometimes we try to hide the thing that we hate most about ourselves mm -hmm. and like this whole elf gene is part of their their bloodline essentially this elder blood has been passed down um and so siri finds out she's part elf and that this elder blood lives within her and and all of those things um but yeah sorry could continue with what you were saying no i'm not saying anything else oh okay no that's good okay um okay sorry where were we we were uh oh it's tris drawing the blood yeah yeah that's right this scene, I was I I am on the edge of my seat at this point because I'm like they're really going to turn her into a witcher here. I, I like, felt legitimately 100 like we they were, were doing it. They he was he was 100 going to do this, um, and, and that's super problematic for me. Um, she cannot actually go through the trials. One, she doesn't do it in the books, and two, it it kind of ruins the entire story if she becomes like a legit witcher like mutagenically becomes mm -hmm. a, a witcher uh because it means there's nobody to bridge the gap between the witchers the the mages the humans like she kind of represents a lot of different people groups in this story right. and the second she ends up siding fully with one of them she you kind of you kind of lose kind of Siri and the heart of it all uh, because of the bias that comes from it. Um, so I was really concerned that they were just going to do it. Thankfully. Well, first, Tris says, before we do anything, we need to figure this business out. Like, where does your blood come from? So she does right. some spell. What's the thing she does? She's, it's, uh, she performs the Dol Durza, yeah. and which translates to the Valley of the Soul, which allows Tris to enter like the deepest levels of her subconscious to figure out who Siri is like genetically almost right like right it's you're able you're able to go back through her mind through her through the things that she thinks she's forgotten and kind of re relive them so we get this really it's it's almost like a dream scene but it's for real it's like a lucid dream it feels right, right. um so and we've seen this ability of like your mental state or your mental plane to have mm -hmm. physical reality right so so yeah we're we're living through that Right, we saw something very similar to this with Geralt just in a memory and earlier we, in this. Right, and we Esther. saw it when, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer's being tortured. 
Mm -hmm. uh, or be, they're trying to get information. The, the fingers in the brains moments. Fingers right? in the brain, yeah. Which wasn't really yeah. even happening, right? Yeah. Like, because that happened all in the hallway. So, right. whatever. There's these different realities mm -hmm. that can occur in your mind. Um, but we're walking through this tavern in this in this valley of the soul and we see people that meant something to her in some in some way right so you're seeing lambert cohen uh the other witchers there eating and, and having a good time cohen calls him lamb chop um at one right. point so like positive stuff mm -hmm. in her life there you see dara stuffing his face right because she just remembers this boy who was this scrawny hungry mm -hmm. elf kid um and then we see Calanthe being given that same blue sash that Geralt pulled out of the wall. Right. Um, you see Kahir alone at a table, and he turns and looks directly at Siri, um, which was my first guess that something was up because because they should they shouldn't be her, right? yeah they yeah. shouldn't notice this thing, this kid. Um, we see some kids playing knuckle bones, which was the same game that she was playing when um, she was out in the streets. Right in, in the, Sintra, in the very beginning, dressed as a boy, right. And then we see her mother, Pavetta, who is looking like dead at Siri, talking to her. Um, and I'm not, I guess, I guess she's kind of talking to her, but she's not at the same time. Like it's kind of a weird, it's a weird thing. And it's, this is when Triss is like, this is not, this is not how it's supposed to be going. This is not right. And she doesn't stop it. No. Yeah. She, I'm not just sure she knows moving. how to right. stop it. Right. I feel like they're, they're in a, something is going on. And in a way, she's this almost is. She's been hijacked, right? This is, yeah. She's it's been, it's paralleling in some very important ways what's going on with Yennefer, right? Like you feel like we have synchronicity between those mm. two storylines somewhere in this place. Yeah, there's something going on and uh, it turns out that actually everybody in this space can see can see them. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're kind of transported to this, this new section, um, this new place in this space. The camera just keeps kind of panning and orbiting around them to reveal right. new, real new, new places. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they're walking through the halls and they enter a Cintrian chamber, which actually looks like the same chamber that Francesca and Frangilla have a have a meeting in. So I think they're probably <laughs> reusing a set. Um, <laughs> or or that used to be, you know, Dooney and Pavetta's Pavetta's room, who knows? Um, but they're having a conversation with each other about that, you know, if if these people knew what she was referencing siri if they knew what she was they'd kill her and so dooney and pavetta decide okay the boat's ready let's leave tonight and siri reveals that this is the night that they died right um and we have yet to see any of that stuff we have yet to see you know how that death happened and all that stuff um it's broken down pretty well in the books um but i won't talk about all that anymore um and uh pavetta looks up though at siri again after she says that and um she retreats to the hall with Triss and this this whole scene, this whole next part is it was so exciting to watch. Um, <laughs> she's being called to like this lone tree. Like she walks through the woods, passes a whole bunch more of those flowers. Right. So we got elder blood all over the all place. All over the place. Elder blood all over the place. And we get to this this woman who is like bleeding from her side, holding a baby. And Siri realizes that this is the woman from Nivellen's story who we heard in uh, episode one of this season. And uh, yeah, this is um, this is pretty cool, man, because they are really setting a lot of things up, putting a lot of things into motion. Um, 
And uh, I think that what we're looking at here is this is this is I think someone named Lara Doran who's singing to her baby Rhiannon, um, and she tells her that like she could have had she could have united she could have united the races right she could have united elves and men she could have united these people groups uh but instead because of the war because of the <laughs> destruction because of um all the hatred like she's now like prophesied over this kid like you're instead of uniting them you're going to destroy them right yeah right? you're now destined to destroy them um and Triss is trying to like completely heal her and all this stuff and all of a sudden she like lifts Triss by the throat and right. like yeah like so strangely Triss uh, tries to heal her we're in a yeah. world where she shouldn't be doing it and she suddenly makes the decision to try and heal her right right it's it, it's just like Triss thought that like we are now in like this physical place as physical people and that we can we can we can help these people here but it's still a it's still a dream like a flashback memory but mm -hmm. it's still physical right yeah, right there's something wacky happening yeah here. and this woman who is unnamed who i think is Lara Doran, who they're probably going to go into discussion on later on in this series. I would imagine, I, I mean, I hope they do. If they don't, like, then this is all for nothing. Um, she tells him, like, you can't, you can't help us. Um, you just, you can't help, you can't help us. Um, and then looks at Siri and recites a few lines from, uh, or rec recites a few lines really that parallel Ithlin's prophecy, who we discussed back in mm -hmm. uh, episodes two and three. Um, so very cool. And then we get, a shot of the wild hunt who's like descending from the clouds, which was very, very cool. Um, I did not think that we were going to see any bit of the wild hunt you in this about season. That. Last season, last season you said, we're not going to see. We're I really did not think we were going to see them for almost, almost at all until like the last season or two really didn't think we right. were going to see them at all. Um, so very cool that we get that little tease. Uh, and from their armor and the artwork design and all that stuff, it looks like, again, they're taking just so much from the IP from, you know, The Witcher 3 and yeah, like well, all I mean, that. I don't know smart. if they've made some deal with them at this point to like, hey, can we use a little bit of... Well, yeah, I think undoubtedly, and I also think that they're responding to fan concerns about dumb things, about hair and skin color, yeah, yeah. and trying to give everything yeah. they can to sort of support Well, and I will say that the Nilfgaardian armor, thank God they changed that scrotum armor because it was i said thank god he's not wearing that scrotum armor anymore it was awful that armor was so he was wearing bad. it for a while like if you looked at his he wore it the whole legs, season no no no. this season oh his was he? like leg pieces he must have still had oh and i noticed them in one of the episodes and i was like oh they're oh, still scrotum on him. armor get rid of it it was so terrible have... now they now they have this cool gold armor which is much cooler looking but um it's at this point that she's yelling for Geralt right series yelling for Geralt and that causes like this rift between the dream world and the real, real world, world and the the whole real world and right. it, that's what shakes loose the monster right right like right the, like this, these uh, stellocyte this this mineral from that monolith comes flying towards Istrid and Geralt and they duck behind some rocks and then this it's almost like those pieces form, form this, this monster, monster yeah so very interesting they do they do. They, it's not like they form the monster. They do form the monster. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. They, they form the monster then. Okay, I never, I was never, it never occurred to me until just now that 
it formed the monster. In my head, I thought this monster again came out Did of you this. Did look at the monster? Well, yeah, but there's It was these... made out of the little particles that's, that flew. That's great. I'm processing so many other things okay. while I'm watching this show, but... I know, the doggy's over there. Yes. And that's, that's this is a unique non-book thing, right? So Yeah, I'm like, I have no idea what this thing is. So it's... the thing chases him. He, Geralt, gets back to... Well, we have a little gap, but... Uh, yeah, there's this whole thing that so Tris and and Tris and Siri come out of that dream world, and Tris is like utterly terrified. Mm -hmm. um, again, I don't remember this being a thing in the book. Tris and Siri in the books are really like sisters, right? Um, they are so tight, so close, and this was a really weird interaction for me because I don't think that uh, like this this interaction concerns me. Um, for their character development together. Right. Um, so I'm a little bit, I hope that they resolve that um, because Tris and Siri are super <laughs> tight. Um, but she's terrified that Siri, of Siri and tells her that Siri will destroy us all, essentially, mm -hmm. right? Like giving right. Siri no hope to do anything else other than go and take the, the Witcher trial, right? Yeah, and for people who uh, are all full of other agendas, to believe the person that grabbed you by the throat in a dream world seems like a really really uh ill yeah conceived response but she does it right it must be scary enough whatever the universe being that freaked out for her and so she so right so siri's gonna go and do the take right, the she's gonna take the trial the trial yeah right? and so uh vesemir takes that bottle and fills uses all of it <laughs> yeah all of it. I don't know why. I guess you could just take more of Siri's blood if you needed to and make yeah, it more. But I guess. But it seems like just, you should duplicate that potentially. Yeah, it seems like you need more. You don't, or or you wouldn't need. I don't know. But it, it turns that vial over, puts it in yeah. this crazy needle. It had like eight needles in the one gun. It did. Yeah. And a lot they of needles. Were all different sizes. It sounds terrible. You I, just had blood drawn too, so this is like a triggering and twitching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. So yeah, and and boy, talk about building suspense for the audience. I legit, I really thought that they were gonna do it, and I was gonna be really mad at the show if they did. And um, thankfully, who shows up in time to save the day? Of course, Geralt. Good old Geralt shows up and uh, stops all of that from happening. And um, there's this whole other thing that's talked about right here. Um, where Siri is like, she wants to be a witcher, she wants to be like Geralt, but more than wanting to be like Geralt, she wants to forget, or she wants to forget what it feels like to have caused so much harm and damage, and right. like she wants to forget what it feels like to lose everything, like, she's this whole thing that she believes, even, after spending so much time with Geralt and Vesemir and the other witchers, she still believes that they don't have any feelings. Right. Right, because she thinks that like if she becomes a witcher, she, she won't feel all anything mm -hmm. anymore. And Geralt is just like that's really not how any of this works. Like we can't forget ourselves, we can't just choose not to feel things. Like um, we can't kill our feelings, but we can kill the hatred that we hold on to and move on. Is what right. Geralt says. So thank God they didn't turn her into a witcher. That would have been very problematic. Just that so been good though. It was such a great sequence. Yeah. It feels like she's going to do it. It feels like he's going to do it. Yeah. He's conflicted. She's everyone's conflicted and yet they're still moving forward. And that's, I mean, that makes for good drama. Like, yeah, I mean, well, and, really and, well. and Geralt is speaking just as much to Vesemir as he is to right. Siri, right? We have to kill our feelings and move on. 
can't I can't imagine what this sounds like. It probably with sounds terrible because it was baby and dog. Baby and dog both making sounds. Yeah. What do you have to say? <laughs> he likes the show too, I think. <laughs> um Yeah, it's um it was a good episode, I think. Again, they jam-packed so much stuff in here. Uh, I love that the episodes are an hour long. Right. That they're not these 40-minute long episodes. Mm -hmm. But, man, they are they are packing stuff in. They don't feel long either. No. It, it, and I think that, that that goes both to the editing, right, which is so intertwined that even though we're breaking these stories in the specific directions, the intertwined nature keeps you moving. Yeah. Um, and they're visually interesting to watch and the characters are all doing their thing. Right. This feels so much more grounded than season one did uh, visually. Mm -hmm. And I think that that helps too. Visually, uh, from, a, from a storytelling standpoint in general, like they are just dropping like, here's, here's more Witcher lore, here's Witcher lore, here's Witcher lore, here's Witcher lore, like all over the place. Right. And not expecting you to know any of it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's good that for me that's good because it just means like it creates this mystery for a lot of people to want to understand what this is and then it gets people involved in looking up like let's go to the witcher fandom page and you know what i mean like or let's this, pick up the books let's go let's play the game the books, right let's play the games like all of these all of those things okay. right all of those things and so it gets people more involved in the witcher it, it makes conversation happen it allows for like theories to pop up on where they're right. going to go. So they're, it, they're, they're allowing people to actually have a conversation about all of this stuff, especially if you haven't read the books. If you have read the books, then you know where all this is going. There's no getting George R. R. Martin here, right? Where like, right. you know, Sapkowski wrote all of these books and uh, they're all finished. Whereas Game of Thrones, you're like, well, well, I wonder where they're going for the last four seasons. Yeah, well, you know, well, I don't they, know. Even if they know what the end is, this it can't possibly this be can't the way they got the there. End. But it, it, whatever changes, and I know you have some concerns about changes and adjustments and economy of character and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But they, there is that need for a television program to do things different enough mm -hmm. that you, right. as a book reader, are surprised. Are surprised, and yeah. and I'm I'm riding along with whatever ride it's on. Now that I've sort of drawn the line in those in the books but for you you get moment like th that siri getting getting the needle that's a moment that the stakes are high for you as a book reader they aren't high in the same way for me right but they're still high but for both of us we end up having the experience There's, it's such a hard line to to figure out on like how how close to the books do you stick that it's not boring for the readers uh and how true do you stay to it so that you're protecting the original source material mm -hmm. right like it's a it's a really it's a really difficult line and again i don't envy them i'm somebody who's like if it's not broke then don't fix it i'd rather have them i'd rather have them stick pretty close to the books and not do anything too surprising than completely take it too far and ruin the the source material right, right. like i'd rather see a very true representation of the witcher brought to life than them ruin it by trying to add their own flair mm -hmm. or their own thing. Um, again, biggest concern I have is just messing with character motivation and replacing that with plot, right? Like this whole new monster thing has me a little bit concerned that they're just trying to make things a little bit more exciting. I'm like, I don't need new monsters. I need more characters to to be with each other and, right. and talk with each other and, and develop 
Um, and if that is with those new monsters, then that's great. Then they've served their purpose. But if it if it's just monsters for the sake of fighting monsters, like I don't need that. Right. And, and I think that we'll see where it goes. We we have a lot of potential. I'm glad that they're world building with lore constantly. Yeah. And w whether that world building feels as expansive as we might have in another fantasy series like Lord of the Rings or whatever, Wheel of Time, whatever, those giant expansive ideas mm -hmm. that have to be explained because the universe is so distinct. Here, and it, it, we are, uh, we're getting world building by virtue of the the characters interactions and i think yeah. that that's great yeah agreed thanks for listening to witcher watch from the racking focus podcast you can catch the next episode recap at rackingfocuspodcast.com or wherever you stream your podcasts toss a coin to your witcher oh valley of plenty oh valley of plenty oh Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus Podcast.